Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. You know, I've been doing this podcast thing for a little while now. Got, I don't know, a year and a half under my belt or something, 86 or so episodes, something like that. And still to this day, the hardest, most awkward part for me is this first like five to 10 seconds, like that intro. I don't know why. It's just like, do I say the same thing every time? Do I change it up every time? I don't know why, but that's like the hardest part for me is the first little intro. So I don't know if you guys cared about that, but I just wanted to throw it out there and let y'all know how I feel. So hope you guys are having a great week. Um, man, we got a little bit of rain this morning. Uh, looks like next week we're gonna have a ton of rain, which is much needed. So that is awesome. We got, uh, man, hunting season's almost here. I feel like I don't say that enough. I haven't talked about that enough this year. I feel like I almost beat it to death last year, but this year, man, it's it like August is on the latter end of it, September's going to be here. I actually am going to get to go deer hunting in September. Uh, I was talking to my boss about dove hunting today. It's just, it's it's almost here, and I'm so, so excited for it. So, uh, But yeah, not quite there yet. we got some things to cover before we get there. Got a great episode for you today, but I uh, wanted to talk about a few things real quick. One, uh, I had a fantastic time at the National Wild Turkey Federation's Deer Conference over the weekend. Got to meet a lot of people there. Uh, met a couple listeners. Uh, got to meet a lot of high-up people in the Wildlife Department, uh, in the National Wild Turkey Federation. Uh, met a couple game wardens, uh, several of the speakers, some some guys that you have probably seen on television. Uh, talked to several of those people, handed out some cards. Uh, I'm gonna have a couple podcasts with some of those people coming up that I'm very very excited about. So uh, so yeah, overall just a great weekend. And then I think I mentioned that I got to teach a course. Uh, I got to teach. Uh, I believe it was the title of it was Essential Gear for the Beginning Hunter. Um, and had a great time doing that, had a lot of cool interaction. Uh, so that was a ton of fun. Um, just got to interact with some new hunters. And I think that was the coolest part of the whole conference for me was just seeing all these people there that were just there to learn or because they were interested in hunting. Um, there was like over 300 attendees there. Um, most of which are either, you know, have never hunted and they're interested in it. Maybe they've hunted for a year or two and just trying to, you know, get a better grasp on it. Uh, but it was just cool to see like the future of hunting 
And one of the speakers, I don't remember exactly which one, but they talked about how Oklahoma was one of, I believe, only four states in the whole country that is actually gaining hunters per capita. And so that was also very encouraging uh, just to to see that the sport's you know still going to be going for years and years and years. Uh, they definitely talked about how uh, you know, hunters are starting to age out about how important it is to bring in new younger hunters. Uh, they said the average age of a hunter in Oklahoma, I think was like 45 years old or something like that. Um, so, you know, as those people continue to get older, we got to bring in younger generations to replace those people and, and keep this thing that we love. So, so lots of cool information like that. I uh, attended several classes, and you know, not only did I teach a class, but I attended several classes. That was really interesting. I actually learned quite a bit of stuff. Um, I went to one that was hosted by two game wardens, and they just answered like rules and regulations type questions. Uh, learned a couple things there. I went to the field and fork class. Uh, learned some interesting things about uh, you know just cooking wild game and how it, it can be way better and, and what you can use way more of the animal than most people realize. Um, so that was a cool one. Uh, just, yeah, overall, it was a great, great time. Uh, really enjoyed it. And that is actually what's going to lead into today's podcast. It's going to be kind of a two-part thing. Um, it's going to be, I want to basically teach the class that I taught at the conference on this podcast. So I have my notes here. Um, and I'm going to go through that essential gear for beginner hunters. And then after that, kind of the part two, um, and I don't know if you'd call it more advanced or not, but I'm actually going to go through my gear list, what I actually cover or carry in the field. Um, I'm going to go over all my weapons, all my gear, uh, tree stands, uh, saw, knife, all that stuff. I'm going to go through my whole uh, my whole gear bag and talk about all the different brands I use. So if you're a beginner hunter, I think this first part's probably going to be uh, a little bit more geared toward you. If you're a more experienced hunter, stick around. I'm going to talk about my gear and maybe you'll be a little bit more interested in that. So, uh, yeah, great episode today. I've, I've been wanting and needing to do this for a while. And so, uh, and I've had several people ask me, you know, since I've been doing this, what I carry, what I use. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to put it all out there in one podcast. Uh, so that's what we're going to be covering today. I did want to touch on real quick. I always like to give people a little, uh, little ranch update. So we did get all the cows, uh, out of the back. <laughs> I say that we got the main herd out of the back. Um, I'm still getting pictures. There's at least one bull and then there were three cows. I think we got the three cows out. Um, but I'm pretty sure the bull's still back there. Um, they, oh man, I don't know what date it is. They've been out for roughly two weeks or so minus those couple stragglers. Um, I got back out there. I fixed all the stuff. Like I talked about last week that the cows had destroyed. I set up my protein feeder and fixed the fence and everything around it, filled it back up. Uh, so far those straggling cows have not gotten back into it. So that's really good. Um, but the bad part is, is I have not gotten a single buck picture basically since the cows showed up, which would have been almost a month ago now. Um, and so I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Like I know the bucks are still going to be there. I know they probably didn't go that far. I know when they shed their velvet and the testosterone picks up, they're going to move right back in like they always do. But it is a little discouraging if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I just, I felt like I was uh, like, I just had, I had several bucks there. Um, everything was set up for them to not be disturbed for them to, you know, get comfortable there. And I just feel like all that is shot. And, uh, and then even like once the cows are gone, I got everything fixed. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be like, Oh, they just showed back up all of a sudden, but I didn't think it was going to take quite this long. It's been 
almost two, I think tomorrow will be two weeks since we, since we got the main herd out. Uh, and I've yet to get a buck picture yet. I think I got one, uh, like two year old six point or something coming through a gate. It wasn't even at the feeder. It was just on a different cell cam. Uh, so yeah, I've been a little discouraged with that, but like I said, I know those deer are going to come back. They're, they're used to cows. They're used to that disturbance. And again, like it's still summer range time. So, so yeah, try not to get too discouraged. Uh, I think I'm, my plan this weekend is to, uh, you know, disguise it as giving my wife a break. Uh, I'm going to take the baby with me, I think. Uh, so, so my wife can stay home, have the whole house to herself. I'm going to take the baby with me and do some last minute touch up type stuff. Um, I need to like cut two shooting lanes. I need to change out some straps on a couple stands. I need to stake down some ground blinds, just, you know, like small kind of odd and end stuff like that. I need to set up my hog feeder. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, my, my, my poor wife, she's, you know, she watches the kid twice as much as I do now that I'm back at work. Uh, and so I'm just going to take the kid with me, uh, you know, like for a lot of it, she'll probably just sit in the car seat in the truck. I'll leave it running. Um, other times we have one of those little wrap things, you know, I can strap it on my back or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's a win-win gives my wife a break and I get to get out to the ranch and do some deer hunting and, you know, spend some time with my baby daughter. So, so I'm hoping to do that this weekend. Not quite sure it's going to work out. Um, but I'd love to get those last kind of last little final touches, uh, done before I head to Nebraska and before deer season gets here. So, so yeah, that's the, uh, that's the ranch update. Uh, really nothing on the cameras because of the cows. Um, but hopefully that changes soon. Um, I, I, I did buy a bag of attractant, which I am normally not that big on. Um, but I have had success in the past when like deer aren't coming to the feeders using like a very, you know, strong scented attractant, um, basically just to use that to help them find the feeder and, you know, kind of get back on. It. And usually once they find it, uh, you know, I can stop using that stuff cause it, you know, a lot of it's expensive. I think I paid 14 bucks for this tiny little bag of this stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to pour it out by the two feeders. I filled up, you know, half a bag of each and, uh, and then let it do its thing. So, so yep, that's, uh, that's what's on the docket. I think I already mentioned, yeah, I talked about what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about gear. This is going to be a very gear centered podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to listen to a quick little ad from our sponsors real quick and then go full out gear nerd today. So that's the plan. Hope you guys are ready. Here we go. Arrowhead Land Company is your one-stop shop for Oklahoma real estate. If you're trying to buy or sell land, they have experienced agents that can help you accomplish your goal. The Arrowhead Land Company team is growing by the day and thus continuing to grow a massive network of buyers and sellers across the state. So if you're looking for a piece of land to grow your booner bucks on or looking for a place where they already exist, contact the great team at Arrowhead Land Company and let them go to work for you. Hardworking agents serving hardworking landowners. According to the Weather Channel, cooler weather is just around the corner. So right now is a perfect time to go to privatewaterfishing.com and sign up for your membership. The way it works is you go online and browse their large list of private lakes. When you find the one that has everything you're looking for, you simply book the date you want to go and it's all yours. It's that simple. When you book it, that means you have the entire thing to yourself and they have a waiting period built into the schedule so that you know not only do you have it to yourself, but nobody was there the day before boogering up your fish. These are managed 10-plus acre lakes we're talking about, not just any old farm pond. So go to privatewaterfishing.com and learn more. Just yesterday, I heard a guy talk about how some of his bucks have already shed their velvet. 
If yours haven't yet, I can promise it's just around the corner. And when that velvet comes off and those bucks start shifting into their fall patterns, that's definitely when you want to be running Deer Lab, so you can track those moves. As the temperature drops and the adrenaline climbs, those bucks are going to get harder and harder to pattern, so you need every advantage you can get. Deer Lab lets you keep track of those bucks and their movements and use real-time data such as weather, wind, moon phase, and time of day to help you decide when it's time to make your move and go in for the kill. So go to DeerLab.com and get that buck. Alright, welcome to Essential Hunting Gear for the Beginner. And in case you're wondering, this is not live at the conference. I'm at home in front of my computer right now. But again, I'm looking at the same notes that I used. Um, and so yeah, I'm going to be going through as if we were at the conference. So hope you guys are ready for this. And so I broke the gear down into three categories. I had Essential, Recommended, and Nice to Have. And the reason I did this is because gear should never, ever be the reason that somebody doesn't go hunting. And I know if you're a beginner, it can be overwhelming. You see all the stuff on the shelves. You see all the, the ads and commercials and people on TV. But it's really not near as complicated as it sounds. And so under the essential category, like if you're really just kind of dipping your toes in the water, trying to figure it out, not quite ready to commit, really all you need is a hunting license and a weapon like that's it you like you have clothes you probably have some warm-ish clothes or some hiking clothes or something like that you can wear um you don't need all the gizmos and gadgets if you're truly just trying to figure out if you're into this go to any sporting goods store any walmart uh wherever you want to go buy a hunting license and a deer tag i think grand total i think you're going to be out 56 dollars for those two um and then uh, you know, again, like this is Oklahoma. There's a lot of guns in this state. More than likely, you can probably find somebody who will let you borrow one or take you, uh, you know, let you go with them, something like that. Uh, so, you know, if you want to buy a gun, great. We can talk about that. But uh, that is really all you need. Like if, if you're really talking about essential gear, those two things and you can go hunting, a hunting license and a weapon. Um, my recommendations on a weapon, if you do choose to, to buy one, um, if you're just starting out, I'm just going to assume you're probably going to be rifle hunting. Um, there's lots of great manufacturers out there. Uh, the big thing I would be concerned with is caliber. And if you would have asked me five years ago what caliber to buy, it would have been a different answer. But just with the way things are today, uh, with the political climate, the, the gun scares, the ammo scares that we've had, I think my number one choice for somebody buying their first deer rifle would definitely be a 308, and the reason being, one, you can take down anything in the state with that caliber, but most importantly is you can actually find ammo for it. Um, you know, most of you, if you're uh, a hunter or a shooter, whatever it might be, you've probably gone to a sporting goods store and seen the empty shelves, um, but when whenever a scare happens, the two ammos that a manufacturer is going to start pumping out is 223 and 308 because those are the two most popular AR calibers, and that's what a lot of people want to buy if they're just stockpiling ammunition. So, uh, can you kill a deer with a 223? Yes. Would I recommend it? Not really. Um, bump up to the 308, and you're just going to have a lot more assurance, and the kick is still pretty manageable for the size of round you're shooting. Uh, it doesn't kick that awful bad. So, um, again, like whatever you can afford, I would say buy the best one you can afford as far as the, the actual rifle itself. Um, probably 308 would be my first choice. After that would probably be 6.5 Creedmoor. 
um, again, more for the popularity of the ammo. Um, uh, five years ago, I would have said 243, hands down. Like that would like it's it's powerful enough, but light kick. Uh, back then, you could find ammo for it super easy, but now it's harder to find. I think you can actually find 6.5 Creedmoor easier than 243, which blows my mind. But anyway, those would probably be my first two choices. Um, if you are, you know, really wanting to get into it and you decide to buy a bow, uh, I would feel way better about buying a more, you know, whatever budget friendly, however you want to say that. Uh, I would feel better about buying a more budget friendly bow than I would a rifle, honestly. Um, you know, uh, Bear is a great brand. Uh, Diamond, um, you know, there's people out there killing plenty of deer with low-end bows. And so uh, don't get too worried about speed and all that crazy stuff. Uh, just buy a bow that you can afford and practice with it is the big thing. And uh, with a bow, the like the big thing, the really big thing, don't skimp on broadheads. Um you know, I used to fall into that. I'd buy this super expensive bow, really nice arrows. I'd practice with it, you know, during the off season and then hunting season would come around and I'd be looking for like, you know, the on sale Walmart broadheads. Don't do that. Uh, you know, the broadhead is the thing that's actually touching and killing the animal. So you don't want to skip on that part. Um, buy a good quality broadhead. So, so again, essentials, a weapon and a hunting license. Uh, next is kind of my recommended, you know, if you are getting a little bit more serious, if you really want to enjoy yourself out in the field and have a good quality hunt, uh, these are the types of things that I bring. And I actually brought my hunting bag to the conference and pulled all these things out. Um, so I, like, I was like, yes, I actually use these. So, uh, number one would be a flashlight and, uh, preferably a headlamp. Uh, a lot of times you're either going to be walking in or are in or out in the dark. Um, you're probably going to be carrying a weapon in one hand, you know, maybe a bag or something in the other hand. Uh, so headlamp is definitely recommended. But then I also do bring a traditional like handheld flashlight. Um, usually for that, typically the only thing I'm really using that for is like blood trailing, um, you know, or if I have to go look for something and find my way out, you know, where I'm, I'm not quite as sure where I'm going, I'll use it in that case. Um, but for blood trailing, you're going to want that bigger uh, light so you can, you know, really light up the area you're looking at. You can search ahead for the, uh, you know, the deer's body. Um, so I definitely recommend still bringing a regular flashlight. Um, the next thing is a bone saw. Um, you know, if you get a deer down or a hog or whatever you're hunting, uh, more than likely you're going to have to at least gut it. Um, if not, maybe, you know, cut it up into easier pieces to carry. So I do carry a small bone saw. Uh, you, usually, a lot of times what I'm cutting with that is the pelvic bone when I'm gutting it. You drag all those guts out. Um, you know, you might have to cut up the sternum, up the rib cage to get up in there to, to reach the, the heart and lungs and all that good stuff. So bone saw is good to have. And then I also carry a tree saw, a little handheld tree saw that folds up like a pocket knife. Uh, mine probably has like a 8-inch uh, saw on it. And, uh, man, the big thing I use that for is cutting shooting lanes or making myself like a little ground blind. My favorite way to hunt on the ground is to find a nice bushy cedar tree and then cut a few limbs off the backside, like where I'm going to be, you know, sitting or standing. And then I'll cut one or two limbs off of each side of the main trunk to make myself a little shooting window. So that way I can hide behind the tree, uh, but I can shoot onto either side of it. So I use it for that a lot. Uh, if you're hunting out of a tree stand or something, you can use it to cut off little limbs that are in your way or poking into your back. So I always carry a tree saw with me. 
Another thing I always carry, especially if I'm going to be hunting out of a tree stand, is a pull-up rope. Uh, you can use it for your weapon. You can use it for your bag, whatever you might need. Just a little, uh, some people use like parachute cord. Uh, I bought one that's like comes on a little bitty reel type thing so I can uh, wind it up. Don't have to worry about it getting knots or anything. And then it's got a little carabiner on it so I can use that to put through like the limb of my bow. Um, if you are going to pull your gun up with a, uh, a bow rope, one, I would recommend buying a sling so you don't have to do that. But if you do choose so, do not pull it up by the trigger guard. I know it's a nice metal ring, um, but accidents can happen, uh, and you you know you shouldn't have the gun loaded to begin with. Uh, but it's just a, a bad, dangerous habit. So don't pull a gun up by the trigger ring. Uh, what else here? If you're going to be hunting out of a tree stand, I absolutely would buy a safety harness. Um, I I've never fallen from a tree. I've known people who have, but I have had a very close call. Uh, when I was younger and in really shape, in really good shape, you know, I thought I was good. I was a little monkey, um, but uh, I was climbing into my tree stand one time, and that's when, I mean, you can ask any uh, game warden or anybody else, the main time people fall is going from their ladder onto their tree stand, uh, and that's exactly what happened to me. I, I had been hunting this stand for like three years. You know, I'd climbed in and out of it several times, and I always held onto this one branch. And one day, it was an afternoon hunt. I was climbing in, and I put all my weight on that branch, and it snapped. And I was sitting there twirling my arms, trying to keep my balance. Luckily, I was able to grab onto the tree and pull myself in. But uh, I went the next day and bought a safety harness, and I've been wearing it ever since. So if you're going to hunt from an elevated position, always, always wear a safety harness. Uh, the next thing on the recommended list is some kind of wind indicator. Um, you know, if you're new to hunting, I can't stress enough how good a deer's nose is. I mean, it is just infinitely better than a human's. Um, it's better than a bloodhound's, if that you know gives you an idea of how good it is. Um, so knowing where your wind is going is key. And so a wind by wind indicator, I'm talking about like one of those little puff bottles or something like that. Uh, you know, something that's real light and fluffy is going to go in the air and it's going to tell you which way the wind is actually blowing. Um, so just, it's just always good to know where the wind is blowing. Um, after that, I have water and snacks. Um, if I'm going to do like a real short hunt, a lot, like especially like in the morning, a lot of times I don't bring a snack in the morning. I'll usually still bring a bottle of water just in case. Um, but afternoons, especially if you're hunting like in October and it's a little warmer, a bottle of water is key and then usually a snack because you just, you know, if you're really out there hunting and the last thing you want to happen is that you have to climb down early because your stomach's growling or your throat's dry. And so just bringing a single bottle of water and like a granola bar or two, um, just something to tide you over till your hunt is done is definitely, definitely a, a wise idea. So um, I definitely want to talk about clothing too in this recommended category. A lot of people are probably going to assume that the first uh, piece of clothing I tell you to buy is a hunting jacket, but it's actually not. The first thing I would buy clothing wise is a good pair of boots. And I like boots that are both waterproof and insulated. Again, if you're a beginner hunter, more than likely you're going to be gun hunting, which is that week of Thanksgiving and the week after. More than likely it's going to be cold. Um, and so insulated boots are big. Like me, my feet get cold really easily. Like that's going to be the first thing that gets cold. So I always have insulated boots and I really, really like waterproof boots. Um, even if I'm not going to like cross a Creek or anything like that, a lot of time in the fall, you have a really, really heavy dew. And so, you know, if you're walking to your stand in the dark, walking through tall grass, 
your feet are going to get soaked. And, uh, and so waterproof boots to keep your feet dry are really good. And, uh, uh, I actually, I really prefer if I'm hunting on my own place, like private land where I'm only going to be walking, you know, hundred yards, 200 yards, something like that. I really prefer rubber boots. Um, a big reason is because they're taller, you know, they go up almost to my knee. So it's going to keep your pants from getting soaked and leaking down into your boots. Um, but they're also, they help with scent a lot. Rubber boots do, you know, just scent doesn't attach to them like they do like a cloth boot. Um, but if you're going to be walking a really long way, like if you're, you know, if you don't have a private place to hunt and you're going to be hunting public land, you plan to walk in, you know, a mile or more, you probably don't want to be doing that truck and trek in rubber boots. And so that's when you want more of probably like a, a hiking type boot, but I would still recommend insulated and, uh, and definitely recommend waterproof. So boots would be my, the first piece of clothing I would buy. Um, after that, again, before a jacket, I would buy a good quality pair of base layers, top and bottom. Uh, I wear first light base layers, super warm, but yet breathable. Um, and a, a good pair of long johns, it will like at least double whatever pair of pants you put on over the top of it. Just having that, that material you know, touching your skin, close to your skin, nice and thick. It's going to keep you way warmer than a pair of sweatpants or something like that. Like I would rather wear my first light long johns underneath my pants than a pair of sweatpants. So they're that warm and they help that much. So after base layer, then comes the jacket. Buy yourself a nice jacket. Uh, personally, I'm not super big on getting a waterproof jacket, uh, especially if you're going to be trying to bow hunt because they're just loud and a lot of times you don't need it. A lot of times it's pouring down rain, more than likely you're probably not going to go hunting anyway. So I would focus on just getting a nice, comfortable, warm jacket. I like to oversize mine just a little bit uh, to make sure I can, you know, if it's really cold, I can put like a sweatshirt and, you know, my base layer underneath it um, just to add a little extra warmth because more than likely, you know, if it's a really cold morning, uh, just a base layer and a jacket's probably not going to do it. And so, like, again, I oversized mine just a little bit so I can fit, like, a sweatshirt on underneath it if you want to. Um, and layers are the key to staying warm. I should have talked about that a little bit in this section, but, uh, yeah. Uh, just putting on a coat with, like, a long sleeve shirt underneath it is not going to keep you warm if it's 30 degrees or 25 degrees or anything like that. Having good quality layers is what's going to keep you warm. And obviously a very important layer is your outer coat because that's probably going to be the thickest uh, and it's going to be what, you know, takes the brute of the wind and the cold and stuff like that. So, so definitely get you a good jacket. And then after that, a good pair of pants or bibs. Um, that's really just personal preference. Uh, I have a, a, my really warm set is bibs. Uh, you know, like overalls. Um, I wouldn't say I regret it. If I had to do it again, I might go for just normal pants. Um, bibs are nice. The downside to bibs is, uh, one, they're hard to, you know, get out of. Like if you get hot, it's hard to, you know, take that layer off. Uh, they're also just, I, I feel like sometimes they can restrict your movement a little bit just because they're so thick and, you know, it's all connected if you're sitting down. Um, the upside is though, is, you know, air can't get down your pants. So that is very nice if it's really cold. Um, but pants are just a little bit more convenient. Um, but again, personal preference, bibs are going to keep you warmer. Uh, but again, it's also harder to de-layer, strip down, however you want to say it, you know, if you get too hot. So, so that pretty much covers the clothing. Uh, and that kind of covers the, the recommended, you know, like if you have everything that I just listed, 
you're going to be set for most hunting situations. Um, there are a few other things that I'm going to list here uh, in the nice to have section. Uh, but again, if you're just kind of starting out, everything I just listed, and you're going to be good to go in 90% of situations. So um, a few of the nice to have uh, items that I listed here. The first one is binoculars. Um, binoculars are awesome, but they're they're just not super important for most people. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're hunting with a rifle, you have a scope. You can always use that. Um, you know, binoculars are nice because you don't have to have as much movement. They're easier to handle and everything. Um, but a lot of times if I'm bow hunting, I don't even bring a set of binoculars because, you know, if a deer's close enough for me to shoot it with my bow, I'm going to have a pretty good look at it. Now, granted, my eyes are pretty good. And so I can see pretty good, even at a distance. Um, but more than likely, you know, if I see a buck within 200 yards, uh, I can see good enough with my eyes to know if it's, you know, something that I'm interested in or not. You know, if it's worth calling at to maybe try to get it to come closer. So binoculars are cool. They're convenient, but definitely not like a have-to-have item. Uh, the next one on the nice-to-have is rangefinder. And I would put rangefinder above binoculars, uh, especially if you are... An archery hunter you know if you're decided to go the the bow or crossbow route uh i would put rangefinder a whole lot higher on the list because uh i mean shooting 20 yards versus 30 yards huge difference and shooting 20 versus 40 is a huge difference if you aim at a deer if a deer is 40 yards and you put your 20 yard pin on it there's a good chance you're going to miss that deer completely and so you know and i think if you go down the archery road you'll you'll learn that uh especially before you get to a hunting situation um, so yeah, I would definitely put a uh, range finder higher up if you're archery hunting, but if you're a rifle hunter, um, you know, you're, you're probably not going to be taking any crazy five, 600 yard shots. You know, if it's your first time, you're probably going to be 200 yards in the end and there's just not that much difference in, you know, from 100 yards to 200 yards with most guns. So, uh, so yeah, range finder would be nice to have. And then the last one on the list is some kind of like scent control unit. So this could be like an Ozonics you put in the tree with you. Um, they have like a little an Ozonics closet. You hang your clothes in, run the unit. Um, Scent Crusher is another popular brand. I know they make like a duffel bag. You can put all your clothes and gear in there and run it. And uh, it you know it, it's an ozone unit and it's supposed to eliminate all the scent. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, whitetail, they use their nose like their their nose is a human's eyes. Like if we if we hear something or smell something, we want to confirm it with our eyes. A deer, it's their nose. So if they hear something or see something, they need to smell it to confirm what it is. That's how important their nose is to them. So having some kind of scent control thing Again, not completely necessary. There are very, very experienced hunters that do not use one. Um, but if you know, if you're a beginner hunter and maybe you're not quite sure how the wind works, or you know where deer's, you're not as confident where deer's going to come from. You know, maybe that scent control stuff could help give you a little bit more of an edge. So definitely something to, to consider. Um, I also have on my list here uh, basically things that I did not have on the list. Um, and this is for people who, you know, maybe they've been watching a bunch of hunting on TV or YouTube. Uh, they see commercials, they see ads, they've walked down, you know, the hunting section, uh, in a, in a outdoor store or whatever. And so I want to talk about stuff that personally, I don't think you need. Um, and, and kind of my reference for this point is, you know, 90, I'm going to say 98%, a lot, you know, a lot of these statistics I'm making up on the spot, 98% of hunting in Oklahoma is, uh, is like from the truck hunting, you know, you park your truck, 
or vehicle or four wheel or whatever, you're going to walk, you know, 200 yards, you're going to sit down, you're going to hunt, and then you're going to walk 200 yards back. And so all that gear I just listed is, is kind of meant for that hunting. If you, you know, if you're going to go all out on public land and, you know, leave the truck at 3 a.m., hike eight miles, stay all day, and then hike out after dark, some of the stuff I'm going to talk, going to talk about here might be something you should consider. But for most hunters, especially beginner hunters that are, you know, either hunting, you know, close to the truck on public land or hunting, you know, on their uncle's 40 acres or whatever, a lot of this stuff is just not that important. And so I want to cover, basically I'm trying to save you money and say, don't buy this stuff, uh, buy the other gear I've talked about first. So, uh, the first thing is a gigantic backpack. You don't need a giant pack. Um, I wish I could show you guys a visual. Maybe I'll put a picture of it, of the little bag I carry, but it's just a tiny little duffel bag that I actually, I think I got it for Christmas, uh, several years ago. It's, uh, maybe I'm going to, I'm looking at it right now. I'm going to say it's 16 inches long and 10 inches wide, and it just goes over my shoulder. I love that bag. I can have my flashlights, my knife, snacks, water bottle, all that stuff fits inside of it. It's not super heavy. It's not super clunky. Um, if I'm hunting out of a tree stand, you know, I can hang it on uh, a hook or something and it doesn't stick out and make this big giant blob on the side of the tree. Uh, so you do not need a giant backpack for, you know, hunting whitetail or hogs or turkeys in Oklahoma. Um, another thing, uh, like water purification, probably not needed again like most like a lot of people can see their truck from where they're hunting and so you're probably not going to have to like you know get water out of a nasty stream and and clean it so that um i don't carry a like space blanket or an emergency shelter or anything like that um again if i'm elk hunting in the mountains yes i do carry a shelter but here in oklahoma hunting on my own land not needed uh what are some other things fire starter probably not needed. Um, I will sometimes throw a lighter in my backpack, like just absolutely worst case. Um, but you don't need to like carry, you know, lint or anything like that to try to start a fire. So, uh, again, like most of the time we're hunting here in Oklahoma, you're going to be pretty close to a road or a vehicle or a house, or you like, you're just not going on that crazy 10 day elk hunting trip. Uh, you know, if you are, message me. I'll send you a different gear list. But for here, hunting at home, uh, that stuff just isn't needed. So I so hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, that is my essential hunting gear for the beginner. We're going to transition now here. We're going to bump it up in a little notch. And I'm going to go through what I actually carry. As far, like I'm going to talk about the brands, uh, you know, what bow I shoot, what rifle I shoot, tree stands I use, um, knife, all that good stuff. So I'm going to be talking about my specific gear and one thing i want to point out before i really get going on this is it's not like i just went out yesterday and bought all this stuff this has been you know over a decade worth of stuff piled up all these weapons and stands and everything i'm about to talk about so uh yeah if you're a beginner hunter don't feel like you have to go out and spend all this money that uh, i have blown over the years uh my poor wallet hurts just just typing up this document um but again you know hunting's my passion it's what i it's it's what i do you know like i don't have super expensive golf clubs or anything like that um i haven't even golfed this year and so uh hunting's what i spend my money on so keep that in mind uh but yeah i'm gonna give you guys a complete breakdown i got all my weapons here all my stands gear everything you name it i'm about to list it so so hold on to your hat because uh here we go so uh, i'm gonna start with my bow i shoot a matthews triax and i'm shooting 65 pounds out of that 
absolutely love that bow. This will be my fourth or fifth year with it. And, and honestly, like I have no desire to replace it. Um, I used to buy a new bow, you know, every couple of years, feel like I had to have the newest of the new and the, you know, the newest model and everything. But man, I bought this Triax a couple of years ago and I just, I just love it. Uh, super short. I can shoot it out of ground blinds. I can shoot it out of tree stands. I can shoot it in brush and it's just very compact. So I absolutely love that bow. I am shooting Vector Custom Shop arrows out of it. Uh, I am tipping those with a Magnus Black Hornet 125 grain broadhead. Um, and then I use a True Fire thumb release. And so the thing I like about that release, I don't know the exact model, uh, but the thing I like about it is it, it's like a clip-on. And so it doesn't have a wrist strap or anything like that. And so I climb into my tree stand, I hang my bow up, put an arrow on it, and then I clip that release on there, and it just stays there. And I have my hand free, uh, you know, for calls, binoculars, phone, whatever I want to do. So that's my favorite part about that release, honestly. Um, moving on, I'm gonna go. go uh, sorry, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about my longbow uh, because I plan to do more hunting with it this year. So I'm shooting a bear Montana longbow, uh, very basic longbow, 64 inches. 45 pounds. Uh, that is definitely something that I do probably or do want to upgrade before next year. Um, I probably need to be shooting something a little heavier. Um, but uh, I have been shooting Black Eagle vintage arrows out of it. I did order and just got some uh, some Day Six HD 400 arrows, and I got those with some 100 grade inserts up front. Uh, I'm honestly not sure which one of those arrows I'm going to shoot yet. Um, again, I've been. Shooting with the vintage arrows all year, feel pretty comfortable with them. Uh, the the new arrows that I ordered, I, I just I don't know if I should be making this change. And so uh, as of right now, I'm going to continue basically shooting both of them. And uh, you know if I like the the day six better, I'll go with them. If not, then I feel comfortable with the uh, the vintage arrows, and so I'll stick with those. Um, whichever way I go, though, uh, I'm also going to be shooting some Magnus Black Hornet 125 grain uh, broadheads on those. Um, so yeah, so that's my archery tackle. Uh, let's see here. Rifle. Uh, I've talked about my rifle before guys. Um, if I had one piece of advice on a rifle, if you're really into hunting, sell every rifle you have and go buy one really nice rifle. Uh, that's kind of what I did. I, I sold a couple guns that I'd bought, like when I was right out of college, just blowing money on stuff that I thought I wanted. And I wound up with a whole bunch of rifles that I hardly ever shot. And so I sold a couple of them and I went and bought this rifle and guy, like I still have a couple other rifles and they just, they hardly ever come out of the safe because I love this rifle so much. Um, it's a Christensen arms Ridgeline and I bought it in 300 wind mag because I wanted to be able to take it, uh, to, you know, like Colorado, like I'm going to do this fall and elk hunt with it. Um, but when I deer hunt with it or hog hunt with it, uh, I've been just shooting, uh, 150 Winchester, 150 grain soft points. That's what I deer hunt with. And, uh, guys, I'll be like, you don't have to track a deer. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, but it, it's not so much power that it messes up a bunch of the meat or anything like that. Um, uh, but it, it definitely does the job. Absolutely love that, uh, rifle. Mine has the carbon fire, fi carbon fiber barrel. Uh, so it's super lightweight. Um, it's just awesome. Again, part of the reason I bought it was so that I could, you know, carry it around a mountain and not weigh 30 pounds. Um, so, uh, this year I am, because I am taking it elk hunting, uh, I ordered a bunch of federal 180 grain bullets, uh, just, you know, that little extra pet for elk hunting. 
Uh, so I have those. And then on top of that rifle, I have a US Optics. I believe it is the TS-20X uh, scope. That's a 2.5 by 20 uh, and 50 millimeter. And so I love the big optics. You can see a whole lot. Um, I, I've talked, I think I've talked about it several times when it comes to rifle hunting where I'm at Eastern Oklahoma, you don't get a ton of like super far shots. So I'm usually almost more concerned with the low end of the scope than I am the high side. So yes, this one goes up to 20 power magnification. Uh, I've never even used that. I don't know if I've ever gone above like 12, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I usually have that thing sitting around four. If you're hunting like a feeder situation where you know it's, you know, 80, 100 yards or whatever, uh, nine times out of 10, I find myself putting it on about four power. Um, so yeah, the high end's nice, but don't be too concerned about it. Uh, let's see here. Muzzleloader. Got super lucky. Uh, actually made a, a deal with a buddy of mine uh, last year on the muzzleloader. I let him come up and hunt my place, and he bought me a muzzleloader. So that's how I got this really nice muzzleloader. Uh, I'm shooting a CVA Paramount Hunter in 40 cal, actually. Um, one thing I'll say about that, I love the 40 cal. I mean, it, it hammers deer. It shoots fantastic. Like, this muzzleloader shoots better than some of my bolt-action rifles. Um, one thing to keep in mind though, that I didn't, I didn't keep in mind or I didn't know until afterwards, a lot of other States do not allow 40 caliber, uh, muzzleloaders. It's gotta be 45 and up. So they do make it in a 45. Uh, I don't think they make it in a 50 actually. Um, but just something to keep in mind if you decide to, to buy this muzzleloader, uh, if you're going to do, you know, some out of state hunts, you might want to get the 45 instead of the 40, but for Oklahoma, the 40 is amazing. Um, it recommends, and what I used last year, uh, I'm shooting a Hornady Power Belt 225 grain bullet. I'm using Blackhorn 209 powder. Good luck finding that powder. Uh, my buddy and I, we together searched and called, I don't know how many places, and we find, finally found a place that had one small bottle, and my, my buddy reserved it, and I drove uh, like an hour and went and picked it up. Uh, so... Uh, good luck finding that stuff, but it's great powder, and that's what the manufacturer recommends. Uh, and then on top of that, I have a Miopta, or Myopta. I honestly don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, I believe it's the Mostar R2. It's a 2 to 12 by 50 power scope. Uh, again, I like having that, that low, uh, smaller optic, so I can go down to 2 power, um, you know, a lot of my setups I have set up for bow. And so, you know, the feeder is only like 20 to 25 yards. Uh, and so I want to be able to shoot a buck with my muzzleloader if I need to at 20 to 40 yards. Um, I've shot at a famous story. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, uh, two years ago, I shot and missed one buck at about 25 yards and then hit low on a buck at about 40 yards. And so, uh, muzzleloader season at our place is just usually on fire, uh, bucks rutting, chasing does, looking for does. Um, and so the action's usually pretty hot. And so again, I want to be able to take that close shot. I'm more worried about taking a 40 yard shot than I am a 200 yard shot, which that muzzleloader would do. And it's kind of crazy, but anyway, so that's my muzzleloader setup. Uh, what else we got here? So just kind of my general gear, you know, this is stuff that I carry with me usually in my pack. I have some Vortex Diamondback binoculars, 10 by 42. Uh, like I talked about earlier, I just, I really don't use binoculars that much. And so, uh, you know, maybe someday if I go to Alaska or something, I'll spend a couple thousand bucks and buy a really nice pair of binoculars. Um, but for me, 
in Oklahoma sitting in my tree stand, you know, just rifle hunting, looking, you know, two to 300 yards. Uh, the good old Diamondbacks do just fine. I got a uh, six-hour Kilo 2200MR rangefinder. Um, again, I bought that more for rifle hunting, uh, but I use it with my bow too. Great rangefinder. Um, I usually carry an outdoor edge in one of the interchangeable blade knives. Uh, so that way when I'm skinning and gutting stuff, if it gets dull, push the button, pull the blade off, put a new one on and keep going. Uh, I have several, you know, pretty nice fixed blade knives. Those definitely have their place. Um, if I'm going to go, you know, backpack hunting, elk hunting, something like that, I normally take both. I'll take one of my fixed blade knives and the interchangeable knife. It's just so convenient. And, uh, and it's also very lightweight. You know, if I, uh, you know, I've, I, I have not killed one, but I have helped buddies, you know, skin and quarter and, uh, gut elk and stuff. And it's a big animal. And so instead of having to carry, you know, multiple blades or a sharpener or anything like that, uh, I just carry the interchangeable blades and, uh, and I like it a lot. So, uh, again, that's outdoor edge. Uh, you know, Havilon is another popular brand, but I really like the interchangeable blades. Um, uh, 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 I have a Wyoming Knife Corporation bone saw. Again, I bought this, actually bought it in Wyoming, uh, in Cheyenne, uh, for elk hunting and it's a packable bone saw. And so you, you, it has one nut that you can take off, take the whole thing apart. Um, you know, you can buy more blades for it if you need to, but it folds down nice and easy. A lot of times I actually just leave this in the truck during hunting season, um, but it's small enough and compact enough. I can put it in my bag if I want to. Um, but I definitely recommend having a bone saw with you. Makes getting the deer a whole lot easier. Let's see here. Uh, I have a Wicked Tree Gear handheld tree saw. Use that thing so often. Like I talked about earlier, uh, I keep it in my bag at all times. You just you never know when you need to cut a little limb, make a ground blind, uh, cut an extra shooting lane. It's just super handy to have and fairly lightweight, and they're super duper sharp. I've had mine for years. I've cut a lot of stuff with it, and it's still good as new. So I def definitely recommend having a good quality uh, tree saw with you. What's next here? Headlamp. Uh, I use mostly black diamond. I have several headlamps, but uh, really love the black diamond. Super easy to use. I mean, good buttons, big buttons and extremely bright. I think I have like three of them now because I've misplaced them or loaned them off and then I buy another one then I get the other one back. So yeah, I have about three of those. Love the black diamond headlamps. Uh, normal flashlight. Man, I have this little bitty browning flashlight that's rechargeable. It, uh, I mean, it's fitting the size of your hand uh, or palm of your hand size. Uh, but it's got a rechargeable battery, or you can use the whatever the CR123 batteries are. Uh, and I love that thing. It's 700 lumens, so super bright, but just tiny. Um, and I love the fact that you can recharge it, or if you're in a pinch, you can use a normal battery. I think that's an awesome feature. Um, man, I'm, I have it here. I don't know what the, what the model is, um, but it shouldn't be that hard to find. If you search Brown and Flashlights, uh, rechargeable, you can probably find it. Highly, highly recommend that thing. Um, and then other than that, the last thing in my bag is a Allen pull-up rope. Just super cheap. Uh, you know, you don't need to get fancy. It has a nice little, like, carabiner-type clip on the end of it. Uh, so that way I, I can put around the limbs of my bow, clip on, and good to go. So um, a lot of my tree stands, I actually keep a little cheap bow rope there hanging on to it. 
Um, but I usually carry one with me just in case, you know, if I'm doing a hanging hunt, I have one, or if I get there and, you know, the rope is frayed or wrapped around a tree or whatever, it's just always good to have one. They're light. They don't take up that much room. So yeah, good to have one with you. Um, as far as other gear or equipment, uh, I'm going to go through like tree stands and stuff like that. So, uh, I do have one lone wolf. I believe it's the alpha, uh, tree stand. That's my running gun setup. Or, you know, maybe if I see a buck and I want to hang a stand there, uh, you know, quick and easy, I got that lone wolf and a set of sticks. Uh, so that's kind of my, uh, even like, I don't do a ton of running and gunning. Y'all heard me talk about that. There's just not that many trees on our property. Um, but you know, if I do see some movement that I want to take advantage of, or, um, you know, if I want to hunt a new place or like, I'm going to take this stand in Nebraska with me, it's always nice to have one, you know, super high quality tree stand just because you never know when you might need it. Now I hang a lot of tree stands. I can't afford to have that many lone wolves. Uh, so my kind of go to like lower end, you know, set up over a feeder or permanent tree stand is actually just a game winner from Academy. Uh, I really like them. They're getting a little bit more expensive, just like everything else now. You used to be able to get these things for like 50 or 60 bucks. They had two different sizes. Um, they're a little bit more expensive than that now, but they're pretty darn rock solid for the price. Uh, they come with a nice little cushion, but even if you use the cushion, they have a, a decent seat. Um, so yeah, I really like the game winner stands. I also use the game winner ladders. Uh, you can buy like a solid stick ladder that has, you know, legs going up or they also sell like little, you know, four foot sections. If you have a tree that's not straight or maybe you need a little more height or, you know, you don't need to go 20 feet up. Uh, so yeah, if I, most of my sets, I use the 20 foot stick and then I'll hang my stand down a little bit about 18. So that way I can be at the top of the ladder and step sideways onto the stand and not trying to step up. Um, and then a lot of times, if you know I need to, I'll put like an extra screw in, uh, you know, one or two steps at the top as like a handhold, uh, just because you don't want to be like having to jump on your tree stand or bear hug the tree. You want to be safe. So I use the sticks most of the time. And then again, like if I uh, have a stand that I'm hanging lower, I'll use the little sections. Um, or I, I've actually even used those as like fence crossings. Like I, I have a spot where, uh, you know, the fence has grown into this big oak tree and my stands on the other side of the fence. So I actually put one of those little four foot sections there and I can use that to climb over the old barbed wire fence. It's a lot quieter, a lot safer and, uh, much easier when you have, you know, like a backpack on stuff like that. So, so game winner, definitely recommend those. Um, pretty much all my feeders now are all season feeders. Uh, I use the, the 600 pound feeder. Uh, those are usually good for at least a month, you know, depending on how much you're throwing day and night and stuff like that. Um, those also, I actually just checked on the, the website for a friend of mine. I think those have gone up like $200 in the last year. Um, you used to be able to buy them for like 600 bucks. Now they're about 800, unfortunately. Um, but man, they, they do not break. I've had them for several years now. I've moved them all over the place, uh, and they're just good quality. Um, you know, I've had to replace a couple motors and like batteries, but uh, I've never had a problem with the solar panels, uh, never like lost a lid or anything like that. So definitely recommend, um, the, uh, all season feeders. What else we got here? Y'all heard me talking about my new banks blinds. I got the stumps, the stump four, 
They have several different sizes, several different models. Uh, I just the thing that sold me on the the banks were the windows. The windows are a whole lot bigger and wider than a lot of the other blinds. Um, you know, like Muddy and whatever brand you want to name, Redneck even. Uh, like the bow windows in the corner, they're just really skinny to me. Um, and I want to be able to move and and you know shoot at different angles. Uh, and so I really liked that the banks windows were a whole lot wider. Um, and I think they, I think they make probably the best combination rifle and bow blind, which is something I was really interested in because I do a whole lot of bow hunting, but I have family that only rifle hunts. And so I wanted something that would be good for both. And I I just love the bank setup. Um, I also, y'all probably heard me talk. I have two, uh, Cryvomans or Crivomans. I, I don't know how to pronounce that one either. Uh, there are several different companies that make basically the exact same blind, uh, they're like the round poly blinds with rectangle windows. Um, I have two of those that I bought years and years ago to bow hunt out of, and they are awesome. I actually killed my my Oklahoma buck last year out of one. Um, it was getting late. I was frustrated uh, because I wasn't seeing any deer. I had already closed all the windows. I was getting ready to leave, and uh, this big buck came out. And he was at 20 yards, um, and I was able to get the windows open, get my rifle up, and shoot him with him at 20 yards. And so, uh, very, very quiet, super warm. Uh, they're not insulated or anything like that, but they offer great protection from the weather. And you can get away with murder in those blinds, you know, being enclosed like that. Uh, they just really, really help keep all your scent and everything in. So, I'm a big fan of those. Um, I also have one redneck soft-sided blind. Um, big fan of it. Uh, as far as a ground blind goes, like a soft sided blind, it's kind of like a combo. Like it has a, it has a metal frame. It's not going to go anywhere. And, uh, man, I think I bought that thing like 2014 or something like that. Um, I have had to buy a new, uh, like burlap cover that goes over it, but the frame itself is still good. Um, so yeah, big fan of the, the redneck blinds. Um, you know, probably not as good as a, a hard sided blind, uh, but better than just your average, you know, normal pop-up blind. Uh, much sturdier, uh, thicker material, so it's going to hold your scent in a little better. Uh, and again, it just it just lasts. So love that. Love the window system on it. And then lastly here, uh, last year I bought a super cheap pop-up blind that I was very, very impressed with. And uh, I did some research. I, I, I'm pretty sure... The brand is Duke and Boone. I bought it at Atwoods. Uh, I want to say I only paid like sixty bucks for it or something. Um, but the the size is what sold me. A lot of the a lot of pop up blinds are like five by five, and uh, if you've done a lot of bow hunting, that's pretty tight to be able to come to full draw and not have like you know your bow sticking out the front window, or your elbow hitting the back wall. Um, you really need like six by six uh, for to be able to shoot a bow out of it comfortably. I'm not sure that one was quite six by six, but it was bigger than most and uh, super easy to set up. You know, it's one of those that it literally pops up just like the name says. Um, and uh, I, was, I really liked the window system. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for a more affordable option, I would definitely look into that. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it was Duke and Boone. Um, but if you go to Atwoods, I'm sure you'll find it. So I'm trying to think of any other gear. Uh, man, I have a GoPro to, you know, as an action camera to film hunts with. Um, last year I spent the money or actually I spent my Cabela's points and I bought a phone scope. It's a a little thing that you can use to attach your phone to your binoculars or your spotting scope. Uh, I just so happen I have a vortex, uh, spotting scope 
and um, the the cup you you can buy different size cups to attach to different you know brands and everything, and it just so happened that uh, Vortex was smart and they had the same size eye cup for my binoculars and my spotting scope, so I was able to buy one cup and attach it to both, and uh, I took a lot of really cool pictures actually. Uh, if it wouldn't have been for my phone scope, I would not have shot my Texas buck last year. And I know a lot of people like, you know, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I know a lot of people like to, you know, talk about this product and say, oh, I couldn't have killed it without it or whatever. But uh, I was hunting on a buddy's place. And so I was being very careful about, you know, what I shot because, again, I was a guest. It wasn't my place. He's, you know, very big on management. Um, but uh, I, I just, I couldn't. 100% say that I was looking at the right buck and I was looking for this little bitty he had like a one one inch little point between his g2 and g3 and I could not see that point and so while he was out in front of me I actually pulled out my phone scope put it on my binoculars zoomed in and was able to take a close-up picture send it to my buddy and he confirmed that I was looking at the right deer and I shot him and killed him and so I can absolutely say that if it wouldn't have been for that phone scope I would not have been able to identify that buck and make sure it was the right one so so yeah kind of a cheesy story but uh but it, it it's true so uh man I'm sure there's more gear than I'm missing off I know I just listed a ton I hope that's helpful for you hopeful for you guys if you have any gear questions please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I love talking hunting. I love talking gear. And uh, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. You know, one thing that I probably should have said at the beginning of this podcast is I have zero gear sponsors. Um, I have three sponsors. I talk about them every week. Private Water Fishing, Deer Lab, and Arrowhead Land Company. And so, you know, as I'm talking about these bows and rifles and scopes and all this gear, I'm getting zero dollars from any of those companies. And so if I use it, um, it's because I either really believe in it or it's what I could afford. Um, but all this stuff I have used myself, uh, and most of it I have used for years and years. And so, uh, if I believe in it, you probably can too. So, but again, if you have any other questions, reach out to me. I think that's pretty much going to do it for this week. I can't believe I'm looking at the, the deal right here. I'm at like 56 or 57 minutes. I can't believe I've been talking this long about gear. Um, but it's fun. So, uh, so yeah, I hope you guys are ready for this upcoming deer season. Uh, man, one last little reminder here, be shooting and be checking your gear. Uh, you know, feeders, check the motors, check the batteries, tree stands, make sure you're changing out and putting new straps on them so you don't fall out of the tree. Uh, your, you know, your bow, your gun, your muzzle loader, your crossbow, whatever you're going to hunt with this year be shooting it make sure that it's sighted in make sure that nothing you know got messed up during the off season double check your gear because you i've had it happen before i've had gear fail before and cost me big bucks and it is the worst feeling you 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 put all this time and effort into getting that deer in front of you and you don't want your gear to be the reason that you don't harvest that animal so check all your stuff get out there shoot your bow shoot your gun hang your tree stands, change your straps. That's all I got for you guys this week. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this gear talk. We have a lot of really cool, exciting guests coming up in the future. And once again, thank you guys for listening to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I will see you guys right back here next week.